Good morning. How's everybody doing? I love when Adam does video announcements because he is probably one of the only guys who uses his hands more when he talks than I do. So it's great because now I feel really comfortable. There's going to be a lot of motion up and down here and there, and you guys are already prepared for it because Adam was going crazy in the video announcement. So I appreciate him. I appreciate his service to come and and do that and and record those for us. This morning, we are going to be taking a little bit of break. It's a little pause between series. And what we're going to do, we just finished up a series called Whole, where we looked at what it means to be whole in Christ. Whole spirit, whole body, and whole soul. And next week, we're going to start a new series called Neon, Hot Topics, Bold Answers. And what we're going to be looking at is these difficult questions that the world has, that you may have, and what the Bible has to say about that. So we're going to look at divorce. We're going to look at death and dying. We're going to look at sex. We're going to talk about mental health and a few others. So this is a great opportunity. If you've been reaching out to friends or wanting to invite someone, this is a great opportunity. This will be a series that we're hoping will answer some of the questions that we have and that the world has of how God feels about these things and how we can operate in the world on some of these topics. And so we're really excited about that. Today, we're going to talk about something that for me is really important and I think is really important for all of us to focus on. It's what the purpose of of the churches. Why do we gather? And this will probably, for some of you, be a good reminder. And maybe for some of you, this will be uh, the first time that you've heard this. And this is good information for you to understand why you get up on a rainy Sunday morning and show up here. Um, So we're going to talk about that a little bit. So if you would do me a favor, if you would go ahead and close your eyes for a second. Close your eyes. And when I say the word church, what do you think of? What comes to your mind when I say the word church? Maybe it was the church that you grew up in. Um, Maybe it was a church that you were a part of and had a significant impact on your growth and your walk with Jesus. Maybe it's this very place that we sit right now. Maybe it's a place where there's actually a little bit of hurt. And the word church is not one that you really like to think about. Go ahead and open your eyes now. The point of this exercise was for us to realize and to think that as you closed your eyes, most of us have a different thought or vision of what church looks like. Probably some of them are a little bit similar, but for the most part, everybody went to a different place. And so today, I don't, and most of the time when we go there, we think about a structure. So maybe it's the building, maybe it's a smell, maybe it is um, something that you went to. And I don't want to talk about church structure. That's a very opinionated topic that we could really dive in deep and have very different opinions on. So I don't want to talk about how churches are structured, but I want to talk about our purpose and our mission as the church today. And we're going to do that in a couple different ways. We're going to be looking at some snapshots that we see throughout Scripture. We're going to take a look at the early church, and we're going to take a look at Jesus' ministry, and we're going to pull from those some things that we can apply for church today. We see throughout Scripture that the purpose of the church is to gather 
and then to scatter. To gather and to scatter. And there's a, a pastor and an author from England who died about a decade ago. His name was John Stott. And he's been one of those guys for me has been influential. I've read a lot of his books on, on what it means to be a pastor and some of these things. And he has this to say about the church, and I, and I love this quote, so I wanted to share it with you today. It says this, We are called out of the world to belong to God and then sent back into the world to witness and to serve. We are called out to be the people of God, but then turned back to be on mission or be a witness and to serve God. It's a dual identity. And we're going to talk about this dual identity because again, I think, and we'll hit on this, a lot of emphasis has been put on the gathering and we don't talk so much about the scattering. And so I want to talk about both of these because one thing that I think I've had a lot of conversations with people and I've talked with people about is this idea that I don't need to go to church. I don't need to be a part of a church that I have a Bible, I can read it, I can study it for myself. I have YouTube that I can go to, that I can watch worship there or listen to good teaching there, and I can do this in the comforts of my home, which fits on my schedule, and there's no reason to gather. Or we need to gather so much, and we want to be around people who are just like us, and being out in the world and being around people that are different than us is difficult. So if we can just gather together and huddle up and make sure we're good here, we don't have to be out in the rest of the world. But we have a dual identity. And that's what we're going to look at today. The first snapshot we're going to look at is in Acts. And so if you'll go to Acts 2, 42 through 47. And I was looking back on some of my uh, previous messages and sermons. And I think out of the five or six times I've preached, I've used this verse three or four times. So it's a very popular verse. And so I'm sure it's one that you will be familiar with. But I want to give a little bit of a, um, I want to set something up before we get into it. One of the things when we talk about the church and the purpose of the church that you'll hear is we need to look more and more like the early church. We need to go back to what the early church looks like. What were the original followers of Jesus who met with him, who walked with him? How did they structure their church and do church? And we need to do things exactly like that. And what I would say is what we see in Acts and what we find in Acts is something that is descriptive and not prescriptive. So descriptive means it describes things, and there are pieces of how they practiced, some things that they did that are important for us and that we can add in and that we should participate in as followers of Jesus and as the church today. But it's not prescriptive where we have to look identical to exactly what they did back then. Church today looks very different than what it did in the first century. And that's okay. God is still moving and still using the church today. But what are some of those truths? What are some of those principles that we can apply so that we can have that impact and be on mission just as they were? So that's what we're going to take a look at today. So Acts 2, 42 through 47 says this. All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to sharing meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. A deep sense of awe came over all of them, and the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. And all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. They worshiped together at the temple each day. They met in homes for the Lord's Supper and shared their meals with great joy and generosity, all while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of the people. And each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. 
So what are some things that we see as part of their gathering? We see that they gathered to learn from the apostles' teaching, which would have been Jesus' teachings, which is what we get from the Word of God today. They got together for worship and to fellowship and to break bread and to pray. That's why here at Calvary we do. If you call Calvary home, we encourage you and we want you to make it a priority to be here every week. Because we think it's really important that we gather together today. And it's not for our benefit. It's not so for the work that we put in throughout the week we, it makes it worthwhile because you are here. We say that because we know how it is to live in our world. And if we are living as Christ has called us to live, we are going to be beaten up, bombarded by what the world is telling us we need to go after, what we should pursue, how we should live, and to live differently, to live counterculturally from that is really difficult. And so it is good for us to gather, to rally together, to realize, again, we are not doing this on our own, but we're doing this together. It's good to come together to worship, to put ourselves in a posture to realize that we're not worshiping ourselves and what we want and our desires, but we are worshiping God and his desires and the things that he wants for our lives. It's good for us to gather to learn and get teaching as we grow because God's word is complex and deep. It can be simple, but it can also be very deep and it can cut and he wants to mold and shape us. It's good for us to get together and to do that. It's good for us to have fellowship. It's good for us to be together. We were not created to live in isolation. That's why the example I gave earlier, of I don't need to be a part of a, a, a church body, doesn't always work. It usually doesn't work because we were created to be with each other, to be a group of people that belong to God. And we see this all through Scripture. We see early as the Israelites were called out of the people they were to be the people of God. We see Jesus call the disciples out to follow him. We see the early church set apart for mission. And what does that mean that they were called out? What does it mean to belong to God as they gathered? It means that there was a different authority in their life. It means they lived with, a different, with different priorities than the rest of the world. And that's hard to do in isolation. It's hard to do without linking arms with other people. And so we cry, we, our hope here is that we create a space where you can come in and you can worship and you can experience God and you can hear teaching that you can apply to your life and that you can have people and have relationships with people that you can walk with on a daily basis as we gather. That's why we do it. Jesus talks a little bit about this not only the worship and the, and, the, and the teaching, but also he talks about the fellowship and what that means in community. So in John 13, 34 and 35, Jesus says this. So now I'm giving you a new commandment. Love each other. Just as I have loved you, you should love each other. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples, that you're my followers. We are called to love one another as Christ has loved us. This is why, again, if you call Calvary home, we encourage you to be in a smaller group of some sort. Because it's in these smaller groups where we are forced to be with other people. It can be pretty easy and pretty comfortable to come here on a Sunday morning, to come and sit, to worship, to hear some teaching, to drop some money in the bucket, and then to leave and not have to deal with anybody. 
As Seinfeld puts it, people, they're the worst. And that for us, though, that is our avenue, and that's our reason, and that's the way that we can show the world, prove to the world that we are followers of Jesus. And when you're in a small group, when you're in close community with people, you have to deal with some disagreement. There's probably a way that somebody does something that is going to be uncomfortable, that is different than how you think. And if you're with them every week, probably there's going to be a little bit of conflict. And how we handle that conflict, how we love one another in the midst of that is really important when we live on mission for the world. The world would love to see us argue and bicker and fight. That's what they use to say, you're hypocrites and you're liars. But when we love each other through difficult conversations, through tough times, when there is real animosity, when we can put our agendas aside and truly love one another as Christ loved us by serving and by loving, then that is a light to the world of what Jesus has done for us. And that's how we can be a witness to those around us by how we gather, how we love each other, the fellowship and the community that we have so that they can get a picture of the character and the person of Jesus. As he loved us, we should also love one another. The other reason that we see one of the things that they did when they gathered is they shared in the Lord's Supper together. The reason that they did that and the reason that we continue to do that today is to remind ourselves that it's not about us. That it's not about us. That no matter what we do, no matter what we, how we gather, what we plan, the things of that, it doesn't matter. The hope and the reason that we gather is our hope is in Jesus. He is that missing puzzle piece that we need. And that he left community, that he left heaven with his father, came down to earth, put on skin, moved in the neighborhood, and showed us the best way to live, and ultimately gave his life so that we can have hope and have freedom. And the, the Lord's Supper reminds us that it's not about us. It's not about the worship music that we sing. It's not about what whoever is up here talking teaches about. It's not about the order of worship, how we do things. The reason that we gather, the reason we're here is for Jesus and the life and the hope that we have in him. That's why we gather. And that was really important to the early church as they were going through persecution, as they were hiding, as they were scared. They needed to gather to remember what Christ has done and the promise that he had that he would once again be with them. We gather to take communion, to take the Lord's Supper, to remember what Christ has done and that the reason that we gather is all about him. But remember though, we're not just called to gather, but we're called to scatter. And again, as I said earlier, one of the biggest mistakes I feel like we have made in the church, Big C Church today, is that we've put so much time, energy, and, and effort into the gathering that we don't focus enough on the scattering. We've made it so much more, we've made church so much to be a place where you come and see and less where you go out and be. The church is, hey, come and see, come and see this, not go out and be the church in the community, in the world around you. And that is a necessary component. We are here to be on mission 
for God and for Jesus through the power of the Holy Spirit. Eugene Peterson um, is an author and a pastor. He translated the message version of the Bible. This is another person who's had a huge impact on my ministry from afar, just through his writings. And he died on Monday and went to go be with the Lord. Um, and so I wanted to share this quote with you today from him. When he talks about this idea of scattering, he says this, Go out into the world uncorrupted, a breath of fresh air in this squalid and polluted society. Provide people with a glimpse of good living and of the living God. Provide people a glimpse of good living and of the living God. It's good for us to remember that the church, as broken as it seems and as frustrated as we get with the structure and how it's set up, this was God's plan to build his kingdom when Jesus left. This was his plan. Through all the bumps, through all the bruises, through all the brokenness, this was God's plan to reach the world, to build his kingdom. And that can only happen when we scatter, when we tell other people, when we demonstrate what life with God looks like, when we are able to talk about the hope and the freedom and the peace and the contentment that comes with following Jesus because we're not chasing what the rest of the world is chasing, but we've submitted that and now we're chasing what God is calling us to do. Part of scattering is that we serve the least of these, those on the margins of society. And this is one thing I think is difficult for a lot of us because it gets us out of our comfort zone. Jesus talks about this in Matthew 25, starting in verse 31. It says this, But when the Son of Man comes in His glory and all the angels with Him, then He will sit upon His glorious throne, all of the nations will be gathered in his presence, and he will separate the people as a shepherd, shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will place the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the creation of the world. For I was hungry, and you fed me. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me into your home. I was naked, and you gave me clothing. I was sick and you cared for me. I was in prison and you visited me. Then these righteous ones will reply, Lord, when did we ever see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you something to drink or a stranger and show you hospitality or naked and give you clothing? When did we ever see you sick or in prison and visit you? The king will say, I tell you the truth. When you did it for one of the least of these, my brothers and sisters, then you were doing it for me. Then the king will turn to those on his left and say, away with you, you cursed ones, into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his demons. For I was hungry and you did not feed me. I was thirsty and you did not give me a drink. I was a stranger and you didn't invite me into your home. I was naked and you didn't clothe me. I was sick and in prison and you didn't visit me. Then they will reply, Lord, when did we ever see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or naked or sick or in prison and not help you? And he, he will answer, I tell you the truth, when you refuse to help the least of these brothers and sisters, you were refusing to help me. That's a hard passage to read. And especially the end is what really makes it difficult. When you refused 
to help them. You refuse to help me. Because if we're honest, if we knew that Jesus was in and amongst us, and we knew he was hungry, and we knew what he had done for us, we would go running to see him. We saw crowds do this all the time. When they wanted to receive from Jesus what they wanted, he had crowds everywhere around him. But when we take it into the context of people who are hard to love, who people who live on the margins of society that are difficult for us to be around, that may be different than us, it's difficult for us to be there. But Jesus tells us when we go and when we do that, we are doing it for him. What this reminded me of was in 2016, I had an opportunity to go to Haiti on a missions trip. And I was excited about going to Haiti. And we were going to go, and for the 10 days that we were there, we were going to build two houses. We were going to have time where we could pass out uh, food and clothing to other people. We could um, help people as they came in. We were going to be able to pray for some of them as they came in, work around the compound. But there was one aspect that I, wasn't, I didn't know that we were going to do. And that aspect is that the people of the church there could request pastors and elders and people on the mission trips to come and to pray in their homes. And so part of one of our afternoons was going to be going into these homes and praying for these families. If I'm honest with you, I was not that excited about it. Because I felt like here I am, I'm only here in Haiti for 10 days. I want to be able to be as effective as possible. I want to get my hands dirty. I want to build homes. I don't want to spend an afternoon wearing a button-up shirt and khakis as I'm going into people's home and praying for them. But as we went that afternoon, I, I stepped into these people's homes that were no bigger than the bedroom that I grew up in. Usually pretty dirty, but you can tell that they had done everything they could to clean that place up, to make it presentable for guests. And they were so excited that we came to pray for them, to pray for their family, to pray for their kids who maybe have walked away from the Lord, to pray for a husband that was out of a job, to pray for whatever they, they needed. And you could just tell the joy on their face that we were there. And they knew they needed this. And it was different because later that week, some of them would come to receive food. And they were very thankful for the food. But the difference was their face when we met them where they were at. When we went and prayed for them, we went and prayed in their homes, on their turf. When they came to receive food, they came to the compound. And while they were there in the compound, then we get, so they came on our turf to receive the food. But it was different when we met them where they were at in their homes. And it did something in me that week that I walked away from that being one of the most impactful times because, again, I removed what I felt like I wanted to do. And it was able to be where they were at and see how they live and be blessed by them and by their faith and their trust and their hope in God. So I would encourage you, wherever God is calling you, to step into that. That's one of the reasons why here at Calvary, we encourage you to serve on a regular basis in some way, shape, or form in our community and in our church. Because when we serve, it puts us in a posture to worship. And it puts others ahead of ourselves. 
So whether that's a long-term missions trip or short-term missions trip, whether that's long-term serving here in our community with one of our local partners, we would love to be able to do that. And our hope is that you do step out of your comfort zone a little bit and trust God with what He wants to do. Not only are we called to scatter and to go to the nations and to scatter and to go to those on the outskirts of society, but we're also called to scatter to those that God has us around on a daily basis. Who are those people on a daily basis, your neighbors, your coworkers, the parents of your kids, friends, etc.? Who are those people that you naturally find yourself around all the time and how can you be God's people to them? And when I say be that to them, what I mean is that you're present with them. That you listen to their stories. You would be surprised how much people just want to be heard and listened to. And when you're intentional enough to put down your device, your screen, to sit across from someone and actually have a conversation and listen, the doors that that opens, the way God will use you in those times and in those areas is unbelievable. But it takes intentionality. It takes being present so that we can celebrate the things that are worth celebrating. And so that we can be there to cry when it's necessary to cry. I think it's, it's, it's one of those things for us that we lose sight of so much because we are so busy. We have so many things that we want to do, so many things that we want to get accomplished that we miss out on those who are around us and how God wants to use us It's not adding one more thing to your schedule, but it's just being present and available to the people that you're already around. As Jesus would say often, if you have eyes to see and ears to hear, and then he'd give a teaching. My prayer is that we would all have eyes to see and ears to hear what God is doing around us. And that we would get out of our way enough and be the church as we scatter to those who are around us. Let me finish with this story. I knew this group once that would meet twice a week. They met on Sunday mornings and Tuesday nights. They shared a common love and interest. And this common love and interest kept them coming back each week. After they would gather together, they would go out and eat afterwards. They would chat and laugh about life, work, family, etc. And if someone new came to the gathering or to the group, they were always invited to join them for the meal afterwards. They were made to feel welcome and included. If someone in the group was ever sick and needed soup or medicine or hot tea brought to them, they knew who would bring it. If someone was traveling and needed their dog let out or someone to clean out the litter box, they knew who to ask. When these people were not meeting for their two gatherings a week, they were often talking about the thing that brought them together. They would tell others about it. They would invite people that they worked with, that they met around town, or that they'd see as they were out to eat. You could tell that they were passionate about it. They ordered their life around this interest and around this gathering. Now, some of you, I'm sure, might think I'm thinking and talking about a church. Others of you might be smart enough to realize I'm not talking about a church. I'm talking about a running group that I was a part of several years ago. And this running group loved running. 
and they loved each other. And they, as I first entered in, I remember sitting here thinking, man, the church can learn a lot from these people. How they have community, how they love each other, how they care for one another, how they include others in things that they're doing. We can learn a lot from them. And as I spent more time with them, they really did do those things well. But there was a missing piece. Jesus. And it became evident after time that those relationships and the way that they loved and the way that they cared for each other only went so deep. Because they did not all share the same love and commonality in Jesus. That's what us as a church, that's what we have to offer. That is why we gather and that is why we scatter. That is why we should be ordering our life around what Jesus is calling us to do. As much as we order our lives around those things that we find ourselves most passionate about, whether it's a sports team, whether it's an activity, whether it's a hobby, whatever it is, whatever we order our life around, we are called to order our life around Jesus because that is where real hope, real freedom, and real life is found. Everything else is always going to leave us wanting a little bit more. And God wants us to share that with the rest of the world. Not just keep it for ourselves. That is the purpose of the church. It's a people, not a place, called to belong to God and then go out to the world to be a witness and to serve. So what does this look like tomorrow morning? What's our Monday morning application? What tomorrow morning when you wake up, you put your feet on the ground, what do we want you to think about? And there's a typo here. It should say, in our gathering and in our scattering. But we couldn't fix it in time, so I just was going to let you know. In our gathering and in our scattering. And what I want you to think about tomorrow morning is this. I want you to ask God, how do you want to use what I have, the gifts, talents, and abilities that you've given me to serve at Calvary? And this is not a commercial for us to get more volunteers and more help here for our own benefit. But this is an encouragement to step into what God has called us as the church. If you call Calvary home and this is the church that you belong to, what does it look like for you to participate in the things that we were called by God to participate in as the church? So in our gathering, can you help out with worship? Is there, is there gifts, talents, and abilities where you can come alongside us and help us out on our worship team? Maybe you're really good at smiling and welcoming people. Do you know what it does for somebody on a cold, rainy day when someone comes out with an umbrella to help them get in when they're holding a whole bunch of kids? Do you know what it is to hand someone a warm cup of coffee? You may not think that you're doing a lot, but you are loving and you are showing encouragement. And sometimes people come back because they feel loved and encouraged when they come into this place. And we don't want it to be about the place. We want it to be about the people. Maybe it's in our scattering. Maybe God has put on your heart, there's, there's a trip that you need to go. There's a financial sacrifice and a t sacrifice is time that you need to go. And I want to do some things in you and through you on a missions trip. 
Or maybe there's a, a local agency, whether that's Lafayette's uh, Matrix that, that we have here that we help out with, with um, babies and pregnant mothers. Maybe it's Lafayette's transitional housing. Whatever it is, talk with Amy. Talk with us. Help us help you use your gifts and talents and abilities to spread the good news of Jesus to the community around us. Maybe for you this week, it's just slowing down and paying attention to those who are around you and how God wants to use you in their life. The church is meant to be a people who are called to belong to God and be His witnesses to the world. Let's pray. Father, we thank You um, for Your church. We thank You for Your patience with us. We thank You that You are so powerful and so good that You can use us in our broken state to heal and to reach out to the rest of the world. And as we become more and more whole as we walk with Jesus, I pray that you use us in the people's lives around us. Whether that's when we gather here on Sunday morning, Lord, or whether that's as we scatter throughout the rest of the week. And when we're at all different corners of our county and our city, Lord, that you would use us for your glory. Thank you for your love for us. I pray that we're able to show that same love to the people around us. We love you. It's in your name we pray. Amen.